the Koigig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. Very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig podcast. I am Kathleen McNamee and I am joined as ever by league winning captain Karen Duggan. Karen, I'm sure that that doesn't get any less fun to hear every time we do a podcast. Never. <laughs> Keep it coming. Well, we have to say congratulations to you because you were winning big awards on Thursday. I was at the league awards on Thursday, yeah, in Clanturf Castle. Um, Looking very Nice snappy. occasion. Yeah, nice occasion. Thursday, Thursday in Clontarf, bit of a keeps keeps you under wraps a little bit, which is is probably no harm. Yeah, obviously. well, I was didn't stop me going to coppers, but it kept some people under wraps. <laughs> well, I'm glad you managed to get there because I was supposed to go to them, and then I got caught—not caught, but like I couldn't oh, yeah. cross town with everything that was happening. And uh, yeah. my boyfriend actually works like in a pub that's right beside. Uh, O'Connell Street the Oval and there was just like a line of riot police outside it for the entire day so I was like mm, I think I'm going to give this one a miss but I am sorry I did not have the opportunity to have that celebratory clink with you we will do it another time but yeah another great night for P-Mount they just seemed to on coming even with the players awards themselves last week quite a few nominations your way I think uh, player of the year was one of the ones that you were nominated for was it? Yeah, no, Sai of Dial got a player of the year, which um, is thoroughly deserved. I mean, if you're talking about any of the big moments throughout the year and that really kind of stand out for me, like Sai of getting a winner against Shelburne, Sai of getting a winner against Shamrock Rovers, it doesn't really get bigger than those moments. Um, and they, they're standout ones. And she's just one of these players who you love playing with. So it's great to see someone like her getting so much recognition. And obviously James O'Callaghan getting manager of the year because like I say, it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy one to stick with us this year, given how much uncertainty there was around it. But his enthusiasm and just it was so infectious, you know, from the beginning of the year, the how much he wanted to take on the challenge. Um, and it filtered its way down through the squad. So for that alone and what that brought Piment, I think he was deserving of, of his award as well. So it was great to see him recognised. And then there was a couple of recognitions for people in the community in the in the club as well. And obviously they're the backbone of everything. And they've really had the hardest year of us all just to <laughs> allow us to survive in Piment. So um for Katie and Elaine to be recognized there yeah it was it was really lovely it was lovely to just be able to celebrate those people who um you know have meant so much to us throughout the year and I know a lot of people felt the same way um other girls getting on team of the year who maybe haven't made it before and stuff it's it's a really nice occasion Mm. and as you say as well like you know it's you kind of expect the players to get their plaudits, whether that's the big trophy at the end of the year or, you know, nominations or things like that. It's actually very rarely you do get to celebrate those volunteers who give up so much of their time. And I know they do it for the love of the club, but it is really nice that there is that space and opportunity to kind of say, no, actually, you know, this team wouldn't exist without all that help and support. So delighted that you guys had that opportunity and sounded like it was a really good night. And of course, the podcast as well got highly commended at the podcast award. So it wasn't just you, Karen, that was with stuff last night we all had like a little hat tip which was very nice and we do appreciate everyone who supports the podcast um we won't let 
get to go to these fun awards and things if it wasn't for that. And even nicer recognition as well of some of the stuff that Piemont did this season is probably going into the international break and having a few familiar faces around there, particularly some young guns being called up, Karen. Um, I know there's not a lot riding on these next two games, but I suppose... Franny Gleason, there's like what the, the legacy of her tenure has been. She'll want to come out with like a clean sheet. Let's play in Windsor Park, which is always an interesting place to go to. So I think people will be expecting to probably see some of those young faces getting a bit of playing time, but also come out the other side with the win. Yeah, um, just for context, people know that uh, Piemont have three players in the, the squad. <laughs> um, we've got Erin McLaughlin, who is, you know, she's still very, very young, but is uh, looking out for Ellen Dolan, you know, 17, and Frey Healy, who's just gone 16. And you're talking about Eileen's legacy and, and things like that. And obviously there was a lot of talk during the week about the men's side and the, the, the legacy that would be left behind by Stephen Kenny. And his big thing was blood and new players. But he blooded them at a time where we needed results and we needed to we needed those results to qualify for a major tournament. We've already put ourselves in a great position to qualify for a major tournament. And Eileen's blooding these players now with that in mind. So in two years' time, these players could potentially be at that level. Um I don't think anyone's saying that they're the finished product now, but they have so so much potential and we see it and they have really, really good attitudes. And I think that's really important for someone in their age and they're going to go into that camp and they're going to get to see the levels that your Louise Quinn's, your Katie McCabe's are playing at. And then they can bring that back and say, okay, here's what I need to do over the next 18 months to get to that level. And I think that's a, a fantastic thing. And I think that Eileen's done it in the right way now that we've already won the group and these are two free hits essentially. And you said it yourself even, you've talked so much about having that representation in the league and what it means in terms of players who want to maybe stay around in the league for a couple of years, get an education, you know, experience what Irish football has to offer and then maybe look abroad to travel and have all that footballing experience but getting that nod from the national side when you're already playing here is really important too yeah and I'm a huge advocate of us continuing to not just look beyond the league to supplement our our team I think there's various reasons why people are in our team and we've got so many talented teenagers coming through that it's not a surprise that they're still in our league because they're actually too young to go anywhere else and like I said, I still think that there's it takes time to develop and doing that at home while you're getting your education rather than going sitting on the bench somewhere. I think it's huge, not only just for development. You can say, OK, they go abroad and they play pro and maybe their development will be better in that way. But confidence is a huge thing mm. and game time is a huge thing. And I think that, yeah, we just shouldn't be dismissive of our league because I'm seeing the talent that's coming through. There's evidence of that now in this current squad, which is fantastic. And hopefully that motivates more and more people in the league this year to kind of say, right, it's it's definitely possible. There's a pathway there. We have to preface this by saying there will be a new manager in place. So God knows what they want. God knows what their relationship with Irish football will be like. But we'll still champion them on this podcast anyway. We'll still be rooting for our girls here to to make an impact there because I do think that they will do that even if they are teenagers there's there's enough talent there coming through 
Oh, yeah, and I definitely think, like you've pointed to it continually throughout the entire year, that particularly for those younger players, how important it is getting in there. And do you know you say see even some of the underage teams they've had like great success already this year, but it's just that little bit different being in that atmosphere. Like even I saw Caitlin Hayes talking today about the fact that her, her and Erin McLaughlin have been rooming together and like how Aaron's kind of been taking Caitlin through, you know, how the Irish setup is. And I was like, this is kind of funny because Aaron is so young still, but also Caitlin saying that she's been able to talk to her about, you know, her experiences at Celtic and different clubs. So even just little bits like that, just players rooming with each other, you don't know what you pick up. It's huge. And like, I don't think there was never an international camp that I went into when I wasn't somewhat nervous because you want it so badly. You want to impress so badly. So being comfortable in that environment allows you to put your best foot forward in training. So that's a huge thing to get used to at a, whatever age you are. It does take a few camps to get settled. And now we've brought in some more players throughout this campaign. Hopefully they will feel more settled when we do go into those more crunch ties as we look towards qualification for Euro 25. Definitely. And so apart from getting those young players through, is there anything else you expect out of these next two games? Um, Obviously Hungary in Tala on Friday and then Northern Ireland in Windsor Park on Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, no, really it is more of the same and we'll go into it now, but we're seeing a lot more appearances in the WSL and, you know, the girls are really in the thick of their season now. So we'll be expecting performances to, to be even nearly at a higher level again um, than what we've seen in previous camps because there's a lot of girls really flying and their club scene. And um, we had a little bit of a slow start against Hungary the first day. Uh, hopefully we can knock that out um, again. More clean sheets, keep Courtney Rosnan's kind of star shining because she deserves that because um, she's been brilliant. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. It's just more of the same, giving players more game time, um, but obviously wanting the win as well. But I do think because we've qualified now, um, I'd forgive Eileen for changing things up even earlier in games to get girls uh, experience. I think that's, while it might not be what fans want to see and they want to see five or six, seven goals, what I would like to see now is like really having an eye on future development. Mm-hmm. Well, so long as we don't see the sort of rain that we saw uh, in Bolivia, yeah. I think everyone will be Definitely, pretty happy because I'm going to be in Tala on Friday and I'm too precious for that. Yeah, well, you'll be in the nice RTE studio, so you'll be fine. Oh, yeah, the nice RTE studio and the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun just to wave the up. The glamour of it all. <laughs> Behind the scenes, guys, you're so lucky. Um, well, it is just myself and Karen tonight, so we will be bringing you your team of the week, which will be a slightly shortened version because I do not have the capacity that Emma Carroll does to yeah. all the games. It is it is a struggle and she is a pro and an ace and we look forward to welcoming her back very, very soon. Uh, and then we will also, as Karen said, be taking you through all the WSL action. So it's all the usual stuff, just two slightly different figures doing it solo for once. Uh, the Koi Pod on Off the Ball is brought to you by Cabri, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Coming up next, we have our team of the week. Now, so we have our team of the week, which I somehow managed to volunteer into doing because I forgot to ask Karen earlier in the week if we could split it. And <laughs> I only realized last night. Um, so yeah, this is, I won't lie, this is definitely not the sort of detail that Emma Carroll normally puts into her team of the week with her multiple screens, but this is the best I could do 
with it being my birthday weekend and me not fully paying attention. Um, we so- forgive you. We forgive you. Thank you. Also, I had a hen party, so I can't really complain because I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm getting old and forgetful and you're still out partying. So that, yeah. that's basically... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so in goal, I went for Mary Earps and then back with Parasite, Bonner, Greenwood, Wabby, and then Hemp, Cooney Cross, Lauren James, Shaw, Hi, Hog, Hog? Okay. Sure. And Mead. Uh, <laughs> just because she... Basically, I got slightly emotional when I saw her score that first goal back after so long and the entire team just descending on her. And yeah. I mean, it was a really well-taken goal as well. You can't like deny that. And it's great that she got the two, but I just thought it was such a beautiful moment that you know she finally got that goal after so long. Yeah, um, yeah, I was definitely start with her. Obviously, <clears throat> it was emotional, but just seeing her back playing as well, I do, I do think her set piece deliveries, even like she has so much to contribute to that team. Um, and yeah, the way she took that first goal, you know, just completely like she was never away, stood up to defender, shifted it onto her weaker foot, and pinged it in top corner. So for that, for her to get any goal, even if it hit off her baby toe, I think we would have put her in team of the week just because of the significance of it after being away for a year, essentially. Um, but to do it in the, in the manner she did, she she deserves her place on team of the week. Um, she was the one person that Emma Carroll did text me from Brussels being like, if she's not in the team of the week, we have issues. Like, no problem. There's no problem. <laughs> yeah I think your your 4-3-3 is uh was a good shout because it it allowed you to essentially put five attackers in <laughs> basically <laughs> we'll yes. call hemp and james uh we'll call them midfielders and yeah. um, but again they were the sta- they were standout players um hemp I think is is growing into the season game on game um and james is terrifying like, like she's, she's so good and she's so young like her technical ability is terrifying insane and like yeah. I don't know if people have fully caught on to it yet because I know there's stuff like the World Cup incident and maybe like the Champions League the last couple of years where she hasn't fully but I'm like if you're watching her in the league week in week out like yeah there are some crinks that she needs to iron out a little bit but like that just comes with experience but she that's so those, if she earns them out she's the perfect player like there is like we're asking for her to get to perfection. What age is she? Like 20, 21? Yeah. I don't know. 2021, I think. She's incredible. She's two-footed. She's powerful. Yeah, of course, she can get better at tracking back or whatever, but I, I wouldn't even cage a player like that. She's just, she's so good. Um, and then I think this is a first appearance for Cooney Cross, is it? I think it is. Um, it was um, kind of a mixture of I've been really impressed when she has played recently. Yeah. And I think she's settling into the role a bit more. Like I thought the vision for the Beth Mead assist was really good. Admittedly, Sissoko did really stand off me. Then I think that gave her like a bit of space to kind of, you know, take the pass in. But I think for a young player, she's settling into that role really nicely. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I like the way she does everything. She's confident enough to get on the ball and does the simple thing really well and it's such an underestimated but it's every team needs that in a in a six you know every team needs someone who's willing to get on the ball and do the do those little passes and has that vision so um if she's she's deputized brilliantly in there as well I have to say um so yeah I I agree with that again uh 
Bunny Shaw. We were waiting for her to spring into life a little bit in the WSL, and she has certainly done that in the last couple of weeks. Um, so funny, like we say that, and then I saw someone at the weekend being like, "That was her sixth hat trick in the WSL." And yeah. I was like, <laughs> Who is this woman? <laughs> yeah, she's she's unstoppable when when she gets going. Like obviously, you can look at some of the Spurs defending. But like you give her an inch and she she scores. But I, I don't know how you can defend against that. I mean, you've got Hemp putting in unbelievable crosses and Kelly. And she, even if you are fully gung-ho and I'm attacking this ball, Bunny Shaw will get there before you. And if she doesn't get there before you and hits you, you're in trouble as well. So, um, yeah, she's she's back. Um, the only one I would possibly have maybe an eyebrow who is Mary Earps because... I guess Man United were expected to to mm. win that game. She what's impressive, I suppose, is that she kept her concentration and pulled off a really good um save to bottom post. And she did step up the couple of times she was needed. I actually thought the Bristol keeper Clark was very, very good. I um, did actually have her as my like partly do with Man United's finishing. Yeah, but uh yeah, she had a really good first half and, and kept Bristol in the game for a long time, as did I guess a lot of their defenders. Um, yeah. I think there was like three then, different ones that were very nearly near goals that she all saved. Like I know Paris was one, yeah. Galton, and can't remember who the third one was. Yeah, well, like she's going to be called upon a lot this year, so we we might sneak her into team with the the week at yeah. some point if, <laughs> if Bristol can can get themselves another win. Um, but yeah, I think Emma Byrne will be happy to see uh, Uhabi in there. She's a big big fan, um, and obviously she was setting up goals and yeah she's she's top player so I think you did a great job Calvin thank you very much Karen I do appreciate that yeah no I I find it funny when I like listen to you and uh, Emma talk and you pick out like certain players and then I find myself like watching them more closely in the next game and I'm like am I watching them as closely because they're performing well or has Emma Byrne like put something in my head (laughs) (laughs) I need to remember this um but yeah no I will be happy to hand the reins back to Emma Carroll for team of the week because it is stressful but I'm glad you approve and we will talk a little bit more about the players coming up next when we dive into the WSL Now, so it was quite an interesting weekend with some results that weren't entirely expected in terms of uh, how comprehensive they were in their wins. In particular, looking at Chelsea on paper, 5-2 Leicester looks kind of run of the mill, but it wasn't actually really all that run of the mill. And then obviously you have that absolutely humongous scoreline of Man City 7, Tottenham nil, And sadly, we have also seen the introduction of teams posting statements, apologising to fans. Yeah, Tottenham Ooh, posted. I haven't game. seen that. I think I have a blocker on my Twitter for things like that. <laughs> who, who is doing that? The Spurs. whole, yeah, Spurs. So the like official site or whatever it was posted a statement apologising, saying it wasn't a reflection on their season and that, you know, they promised to do much better for fans. And then the only player I actually saw retweeting it was Ashley Neville just kind of saying, you know, apologies to the fans again and stuff. And I was like, no, I know it was a terrible result, but we don't need this in the WSL. No, that's save that one for your Man United men's. Um, and it's just unnecessary. People can have bad games. It doesn't define their season. Uh, I actually like Spurs still try to play the game that they've been trying to play all season. And 
they've they've been pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think they've been pretty good. I've I've enjoyed watching them more. They they play a bit more of a risky game because they're trying to play it out. And sometimes they did get it out against City, but City's press was absolutely brilliant. And if you look at City's team, it's always going to be risky doing that against the likes of Shaw and Hemp and Kelly. And you've got Uhabi coming in and Ruard coming in as well. And it it's a, it was a risky game and City were unbelievably clinical. So it's not statement worthy. It was a horrible, horrible defeat. But it's something that I think Spurs under this management can take on the chin and learn from, I would say. I don't know what you think about it. No, I agree. And like you even look at, say, the run of form that Aston Villa have had so far this season. And I know, you know, like manager and players have all come out and said at different times you know we're sorry for how we've done but like I think that's fine in like post-match situations or pre-match press conferences you're obviously going to have to be like sorry guys things aren't going all that well but it's when you see the official accounts come out with the statements I'm just like no that's unnecessary and like when you look at the team they were up against like yeah Spurs results have been fine but they're also when you look at the team that City have I'm not entirely surprised that they were able to dismantle them in the way they were because they have such technically gifted players in the likes of Ruard and Hemp who we chat about in the team of the week and also just like Bunny Shaw like I think she scored a hat-trick against them last season as well so she clearly has their measure and City did their homework really well knew exactly what to do and Spurs just like weren't up to the task on this particular occasion but yeah Big, big no-no from Kathleen to any sort of statements like that in the future. Yeah, and it was just one of those games where, I mean, City, City were really, really good. Um, they've obviously bounced back from the two defeats that they they had a, a few weeks ago and, and they're picking back up their form again. And when when they're on form, they're, one, they're probably the best team to watch when they're on form because it's mm. just so free-flowing, it's... It's organized from the back all the way out, the way they move the ball. And they're ruthless and they got to use their bench. You saw Coombs coming on, scoring a couple of goals as well. And by that point, Spurs were just so deflated and dejected. Um, Spurs need to get tighter at the back. They need to get tighter players in the box. Um, It was a little bit easy for City to get those goals. But, I mean, it was one of those days where... Lauren Hemp was amazing and Bunny Shaw was amazing and it, on the best of days it's hard to defend against them but they were they were next level you know I find Coombe so interesting because I feel like she pops up just every so often gets a couple yeah. of goals and then disappears for a little while yeah you kind of forget she's there and then she comes in and pulls out something that like a city really need at the time which was what she did last season for them when they were in dire need she was a big feature of their play so um, this season obviously what City named an unchanged team this week from the United game. So maybe we're seeing a bit of a, a flip mm-hmm. in how Man City work and that'll lead to a more consistent City and she will be a bench player, but um, probably be no harm for City generally. Well, no, and definitely with the way they're going this year, like you have to say that they're still in that race, even though things are, those few losses did kind of um throw them back no, a bit. No, but it's, uh, it's tight. Like it's, it is, it's, I know we're only eight games in, but it's, it's very, very tight up there. Um, And like you say, Spurs are, 
Spurs are four points off though, despite having this this thrashing. So things can change really, really quickly for a team in this terms is why, of gaining momentum and in terms of losing it. Yeah. This is why I really feel like for a couple of years they should have like two up, one down in the WSL because there's just there's not enough teams and there's not enough games. And not mm-hmm. that there's not enough games. Like I, I agree with people like Emma Hayes when she says, you know, about the requirements of say Chelsea yeah. at Champions League and all that sort of stuff. But I'm like, in terms of the league. I feel like we're not going to get teams to properly develop without giving them more opportunities to develop across like a wider range of teams. And I think we've seen like, say Leicester this season, how well they're doing. You look at how well, like I actually, despite the results, I've really enjoyed watching Bristol this season. And I think there's like quite a few teams in that championship that (laughs) could really give some of those teams a bit of a run for their money. And then also allows for a bit of development, even if it was just for two or three years, but I'd, don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, sadly. But if they're fair um, listening, I back it. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Um, <laughs> but like Leicester then, like they started so well, obviously. Um, they're going through a, a tough, a tough run of form. And mm. um, of course they came up against Chelsea. So well, and like, you know, you look at the scoreline and it says 5-2, but for like 50 minutes of that, they were doing really, really well. And then Chelsea just pulled away with the absolute like class that is Lauren James and then a really well-taken goal by Aggie Beaver-Jones, like one of the other younger players and Sam Kerr doing what Sam Kerr does. But, you know... We haven't seen Chelsea be conceding that many goals and they got two against them. Like they, again, they're they're one of the teams that are... I kind of like watching Leicester. Yeah, they're just really intriguing to me, especially this year. And I kind of, I I half worry that they're going to do what like Spurs do some seasons where they get off to this brilliant start and then they kind of taper away towards the end or the middle of the season because they just don't really have the players that are there. But I do feel like they're building quite a smart team there. And even if this is a season... Like, I wouldn't be worried about them in terms of a relegation battle or anything at the moment. I think that one they... draw in the last five, though. Yeah, but they... I also just feel like they kind of pull out interesting results when they need it compared yeah, to some of the other ones. True. And I think they have the experience of that relegation battle last season, whereas mm-hmm. Bristol don't. And I'd honestly kind of sad to see either of them go, which is why I'm like, let's do our two up, one down, and then like they'll get more options. But um, yeah, and like I guess it hasn't been like a mad difficult run of form for them. I thought they had some tougher games, but like that win against Aston Villa, you would have thought that maybe with Aston Villa's form, they would have been able to get something against them. Beat West Ham, which is fairly impressive. And then Arsenal, you know, Chelsea as well. It's not a clean sweep sort of for Man City just before that, so yeah, you know. I know. I I hope they're not involved in the in the relegation fight. Mm. Obviously, they played Chelsea this week. Chelsea are just really clinical. Um, I think Emma Hayes was just really happy after the game with what they were like going forward. Um, she wasn't too bothered about conceding the two goals just because of how much games they've had to obviously go through in the last little while as well. Um. Mm. But Chelsea are really putting people to the sword this year. I know we don't tend to laud their forward play a huge amount because a lot of it's pretty straightforward. But, I mean, to already have plus nine goals, I think, on on uh, Arsenal, it's, it's yeah. pretty impressive the, the way they're putting teams away. Yeah, and, and I- the different goal scorers, like you mentioned there, like you'd Beaver Jones, like you'd obviously... 
James, but they're they're coming from quite a few areas when they need them. Sam Kerr back in the mug goals as well. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to her as well in her recent engagement, Chris Muse. Um, but yeah, I think as well they it's something that City have also pointed out and Gareth Taylor has pointed out a couple of times is that like range of goal scorers and how important it is. And I know Emma Hayes was talking about it after the Paris FC match and how like unfair the schedule was and like it is a lot and if you're going to have that in place you know you need the proper systems and supports but you also look at the players like they're able to rotate they made four changes at the weekend and they brought in Sophie Ingle, Parasette, Frank Kirby and Marin Meld you know it's not a bad quadruple yeah. of people to bring in you're not you in the worst position to be the team playing the most amount of matches yeah like if it was City or Arsenal in that position I'd be more worried about depth than I would be for Chelsea yeah. like I do think they have the squad that can take that sort of pressure but we shall see how it goes I also thought it was mad that they only won 30% of their duels in the first half which like really shows how much Bristol were putting it to them that's what Emma Hayes said post game and she's like it's the lowest for our first half in the last like two seasons or something she's like I haven't seen that sort of um, performance especially from the caliber of players that we have out there so it was pretty impressive from Leicester to like get that yeah. out of them um yeah and these are probably things that Leicester can focus on and say yeah these are bad results but not let it get them down I guess and there's positives to take from their play whereas I think someone like Villa and West Ham you're so struggling to find the positives Mm. some of it West Ham in particular I mean playing against Arsenal and to just cough up goals the way they kind of did uh, you wouldn't say that Arsenal had to work too hard for their three goals. No, definitely not. And even putting the two players in the team that we go would feel slightly bad because it did feel like the West Ham ones were just standing off them a lot of the time and they weren't really looking to, I don't know, press down on them or make them feel... Said, they didn't play particularly badly, but they're, they're just making mistakes at the wrong times and you're kind of looking at them... And they're a team that if they, I know we're only going into December, but are they the team you think that really needs to have a strong January transfer window? Because mm. they're very young and we talk about lack of depth at the top, but there's, there is, seems to be a lack of depth in, in West Ham. But I think I saw that like for the comparison of the two benches, like the average age of West Ham was something like 20 and the average, or that could be the squad, the average age was like 28 for Arsenal. And then for the compared appearances, it was something like 95 appearances for West Ham average compared to 280 something for Arsenal. So like there was extreme levels of inexperience on yeah. show. And if they're the going to find themselves in a relegation battle, as talented as these young players are, would you be looking to the championship for some more experienced players, people who have WSL mm. experience and try and bring them in to just steady the ship a little bit? I think you'd have to. Like, I know, I know, you know, we have quite a few players on that bench. You know, we had Jesu, uh, Jesse Appleton and Izzy Atkinson. They were all on the bench mm-hmm. at the weekend as well. So, but we know ourselves, like those are sort of players that if we were looking at them from an international perspective, you still want to be giving them time. Like Jesse was just back from injury. Jesse Stapleton's yeah. been injured the last while too. Izzy Atkinson is still like working out, I think, you know, what she's most comfortable with and what her best position is for both teams. And yeah, it's still a great experience for them. They're still playing WSL. It's a fantastic experience for them. 
being involved in a relegation battle, it'll it'll stand for them as well. It's something they'll have never had to go through in the Irish League, you know, um, because they always played for the top teams as well. So mm. you know, it's it's great experience, but we, and we do want to see them getting more and more game time. Um, I'm just saying from West Ham perspective, they probably do need to to get have a strong transfer window and see if they get they get backing for that. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's great to see actually that they are getting as much game time like both uh, Izzy Atkinson and Jesse who came on at the weekend and they have kind of been consistently either starting or coming on. So more of that, please. But uh, as we said, the, the main thing, the only thing you need to think about from that Arsenal game is Beth Mead scoring and yes. everyone going absolutely delira for her. Um, we chatted a bit about it, but Bristol, Man United, 2-0 win. It was kind of like, uh, it sounded... From what I saw of the game, it looked like United were comfortable, but it did also look like the Bristol City were frustrating them for large parts of the game. Yeah, they really did. The first half, um, you know, Bristol are good. You know, they're they're organised. Uh, obviously, they're the underdog going into every single game, so they set up like that. They have the block of four in midfield. They've got a tight back five there as well. Um, Megan Connolly marshalling them really well. I saw she picked up player of the match for for Bristol at the weekend. So that was obviously great to see from her. It also shows the pressure that they come under in every game that she's in the centre of defence and she's doing that. But it took a deflection from a shot from distance from Mayazawa to to get United off the mark. Um, And even after that, the floodgates could have opened, but they didn't for Bristol. Um, Again, United not you know, being able to switch things up in, mm. in the way that other teams are and not being as relentless as other teams. But Ella Toon had a good game. Um, she was kind of pulling the strings. But as a United fan, you want to see her getting on score sheet more as well because she is that big player. Same with Galton. They were popping, popping up with some really important goals last year. And we haven't seen a huge amount of it this year. Um, I think United are still clicking mm. um, a little bit and, and figuring out their best I, I like Emma said before I do think Jay-Z looks more threatening when she comes in off the right mm. um, so then there's a centre forward kind of gap there potentially yeah it was funny when I was looking at this game for the team of the week two of the names you mentioned there Toon and Connolly as well because I was like she does do mm. such a good job and a bit like with Clark and goal I just felt like I couldn't because it was another loss for them but I also was like yeah it was and like United should have scored more mm. and didn't so it's yeah it is hard on, on both ends so don't, don't beat yourself up too much <laughs> I'm Just not beat yourself I'm up not. for this week and then I'll be back yeah yeah but we have a little international break so we'll we do to all have a nice little break and hopefully watch Ireland score lots of goals um and how are you feeling about United at this stage because like I suppose what, how we expected them to come into this, you would have maybe thought that they would be putting more than just two past Bristol, especially considering the amount of chances they had. I know there was some heroics in it, but you would also argument that there should be better finishing there, and that has been a problem for United yeah. all season. Um, just based off the games I've seen this season, I'm more resigned to the fact that we might be in a battle with Liverpool for fourth than looking at the top three just in terms of fluidity of football, I think that when City click, they really click. Um, same with Arsenal. Obviously, Chelsea are kind of on a rampage at the moment, whereas United are like getting getting results, but like trudging over the line a little bit. Mm. Um, 
Now, they're still, they're still doing very well. Like, you know, we can't have too high expectations again. You forget that they're a team that hasn't been in the league a huge amount of time. I think it's just because of the good run that last year and um, it set higher expectations. But a lot of that, again, was due to maybe Arsenal's inconsistency that we mm. kept sneaking up ahead of them. And so we uh, stole some of your best players. <laughs> and could potentially continue to do so. So, um, I yeah, the way the, the top three are sitting at the moment and the way Man United are playing, I do think I'm finding it hard to see them breaking through. No, that is fair. And you mentioned Liverpool there. Big win for them against Brighton, 4 0. Um, it was like a very nice vibe sort of a match like I know I'm supposed to look at these from like a technical thing but you got Gemma Bonner getting her plaque beforehand for you know most appearances for Liverpool and then getting a goal and then she had Van de Sanden Sanden, yeah yeah, the same week that her baby was born and everyone doing the little rocking baby thing to help celebrate with her and I was just and I I really didn't expect of all the teams this weekend to capitulate in the way that they did I really didn't expect it to be Brighton yeah, Brighton are they're a mad one. I don't know what making a Brighton to be honest. Well, I mean, um, we were inconsistent before. We said it was Hope Powell, and we couldn't really work out why it was her. And then it, since she left, it doesn't seem like all that much has changed. Like, I mean, they had that massive win. The over team is so different. Yeah, but like, then is it a and mentality thing? I don't know like how did they go from beating Man City and like drawn with Man United last month to then yeah well I suppose if on paper they lost to Arsenal and they've now lost to Liverpool um so maybe we should just give kudos to Liverpool but I don't know they're a mad one but I feel like we just need to keep an eye on them because I don't know what's going to be coming next with them um but for Liverpool to bounce back from the heavy Chelsea defeat kind of shows a difference in them I think this year they're they're direct and they're aggressive and they're going to be nowhere near a relegation battle I don't think but they're, they're going to be pushing based on what we're seeing they're 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 hard to beat like they're hard to play against and anyone like a, a Brighton or a Bristol I, I don't think that they'll be able to come and pinch points off them the way they might have maybe targeted Liverpool for for that last year. Yeah, and it's also when you look at as well the level of injuries that Liverpool have had to contend with over the last year. So, you know, there's been some very key players. Like we've just seen Nifahi come back in after and, like several weeks out. And yeah, Leanne Kieran and obviously brilliant for us. We yeah. Love back. yeah, exactly. It's huge for Liverpool. They're two massive players for them. Yeah, and well, like when they came up for the WSL, everyone was like, Leanne Kearney is going to like blow this league apart. And she's just like mm. had a really unfortunate run with injuries. But whenever she does play, she doesn't look like a player who has suffered as much time out as she actually has, which can I mean, only be... She did really, really well for the fourth goal to set up Missy Bokerns as well. So um, again, maybe that'll just... this. Hopefully this is the turning point in terms of injuries and her getting her confidence back. I think that's... We want to see a, a confident Leanne Kiernan coming in to camp when she's ready. But we don't want to push. We don't want to push it too much because she has had such a, a long um, return to play. But uh, she is someone obviously we would really, really love to see in a green jersey again. 
100%. And then finally, we have Everton 2, Aston Villa 1. Six loss this season for Aston Villa. You would have thought with the kind of form they were kind of starting to find with Kenza Daly coming back, this is the sort of game they'd want to get something from. Heather Payne winning a penalty, Chrissy Hansen bringing her down, and you're just like, oh no, Chrissy, you're very important for this Aston Villa team, and the discipline has not been good this season. Yeah, and to... Because... And she set up daily really well for that finish. And you kind of thought, oh, they went to goal down. And earlier in the season, that would have maybe signaled a loss. But because they maybe turned a corner and Dali was back and the duo of Daly and Dali is back. That, uh, and then when Daly scored, obviously you think, okay, here we go. But um, Everton have a bit of a bit of grit about them, you know. Um, again, they're quite inconsistent. But... Um, they've yeah they're they're inconsistent but I mean the mid-table kind of teams I feel like they've a bit more great about them this year than they did last year there was probably too much chopping and changing last year for them to really settle into it but um we're seeing Courtney Rosen and Heather Payne solid on the team sheet that's important for us um and Villa had the majority of the possession like there's there was no really excuse for Villa to not put in a better display or put Everton under more pressure than they did, given they had over 60% of the possession. But um, that momentum that we thought they'd pick up has stalled a little bit. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know what to make of, of Aston Villa at the moment. They shouldn't be where they are, given the talent that they have. No, definitely not. And it shouldn't have been that one key player being missing for a couple of games that kind of made everything fall apart quite yeah. as much as it did. But interesting one to see what they do in the January transfer window. Karen, thank you very much, as always. We survived. We survived all by ourselves. <laughs> all by ourselves. We don't <laughs> even have anyone monitoring us or telling us that we're talking silly things. So uh, I think this is very impressive since producer Catherine is also away at the moment. Um, but thank you very much. Might see you in Tala on Friday at some stage. And if not, enjoy the international break. I will. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to talk to us about any of your thoughts or opinions on my team of the week, on our analysis, on the upcoming international break, and who you think is going to be the new Ireland manager, because I was hearing rumors today there's going to be someone before Christmas. So that will be interesting if that is the case. Um, you can get them into us at the Koi Gig Pod on Twitter. But for now, thank you very, very much for listening. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.